Welcome back, podcast listeners, here with the final episode of, well, I guess, season 2022. We're going to call it a season, Tony, but it's episode 175. Tony, we're closing out for the year today. It's actually been an interesting year, hasn't it? It's gone so quick, but we seem to have tried to fit three years into the one. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm going grey already, and, and my child hasn't even come yet, so uh, I don't know what I'm in for. Anything like you, Jamie? Um, from, apparently, you got a little kicker. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, we're so on the way, so we're good. Tony, 2022 has been a big year. I guess it's sort of the first year uh, uninterrupted, in a sense, um, I guess from COVID and things like that. But it's been sort of a year in the office. And as you said, we've tried to jam a few things in that have sort of come to fruition. So, how do you want to kick off today? Well, I think, first of all, if we talk about what's happened out there in the general public and what we've noticed and, you know, articles that we've been reading and things like that, where a lot of people have been celebrating the, celebrating their freedom in a way, but it's come at a cost and you've actually still seen that cost where a lot of people are wearing what I would call the mask or having that false smile. A lot of people were really seriously affected by COVID, not just financially, but emotionally, and even from a mental illness uh, part. And we do know that uh, during COVID, there were lots of divorces, there's lots of children who are suffering, um, being held back from school, etc. And even the work from home has taken a toll on people emotionally as well, where people have now become fearful of leaving home and actually are self-isolating still even though they don't have to so they haven't necessarily gone back and are um, getting together with their friends again they're not it, it just seems to be a lot of people just holding back so whereas a lot of people actually quite enjoy working from home other people are starting to suffer a little bit when they're around crowds now and it's you still see that hangover effect and we know here in the Melbourne CBD uh, no matter what uh, politicians um, or councils try to say the Melbourne CBD is massively suffered this year Um, and you you see that in small businesses still uh, especially in our thriving uh, art scene and restaurant scene it's still nowhere near back to capacity and I think that's a real suffering so there has been that hangover effect whereas a lot of people I've tried to cram in quite a lot this year um, it's probably been tiring and I'm talking from a personal level not just from a business level as well trying to cram in a couple of small holidays you know, even even a long weekend uh, with some friends in Bali and it was basically just a long weekend and you know I, I just felt hung over for two weeks after that and I'm not a drinker as you know but it was just tiring yeah so let's get on to the good stuff um, I guess we put that negativity behind us in a sense and, and what sort of the the great things that you found of 2022 Well, the first thing is that one of the great positivities is how much our staff seem to enjoy working from the office. Yeah. You know, it hasn't been a struggle getting them back into the office. They seem to like the camaraderie. They enjoy having lunches together. They enjoy working with each other and bouncing off each other. I think that's been an actual real positive, whereas we didn't know what would happen after the pandemic, of course, but... I've seen that camaraderie of everyone thriving, being in that scene of everyone together. For me, as a you know business owner with you, um, I I just see that as being tremendous. So that's one of the real positives that have come out of it. And we know that um, although our staff haven't slackened off, we do know the efficiency has changed uh, for the better. Um, 
you know, just by everyone actually working together as well. So I've seen that. So that's a real positive from a staff perspective. I think one of the greatest positives I got out of this year, besides all the good business stuff, which we'll, I know we'll touch on, yep. was actually our, our business planning day where we got every single member of staff involved. And, and one of the questions was, you know, if you're the CEO of this company, what would you do differently? And that was an entire day, which was chaired by our new non-exec chair, Matthew Rowe. But that was an entire day where everyone got to speak and you, myself and Boyana sat back and listened. And it's been tremendous. You know, our first 100-day plan is actually starting on in January, I believe. Yep. And that's been put together by the staff areas where they believe we can improve it's been put together by them our our rules our office rules is being put together by them as well and that was it was very inclusive and i think one of the greatest things that you and i might have learned this year jamie is let them do their job and come to us and tell us how things can improve and i I think that's been i think that's been tremendous so from from a non you know exciting work side i just seen that camaraderie of our team the team we have now has been ex- absolutely exceptional. Yeah, I, I think you agree. You know, when you're trying to improve workflow and trying to improve systems, if you're not the one working on a day to day, how are you going to know what to do? Um, so, you know, big steps have been taken because we have staff that that take on the extra responsibility to improve it um, yeah. and to make it easier for the person that comes in behind them. Yeah, and I think you know our our recruits for the last year and a half are, have all been excellent. We've seen. Um, you know, Lucy, Vaughan and Patrista um, step up into senior roles now. Yeah. Um, and they have excelled. Um, you know, Patrista, now the general manager of Private Wealth, and she's just absolutely excelled at that. And uh, Lucy and Vaughan are just a step above uh, people with that same level as them. They've just been tremendous. Leading advisors in the industry, if you ask me. Absolute leading advisors in the industry. So that I, could, I couldn't be more proud of, of our, our management team, or everyone, but the way they've, that those three have stepped up into their new roles has just been exceptional. Let's get on to, I guess, some of the great business stories of 2022. Um, where do you want to kick that off today? Well, it's been... Realistically, I was writing a list of the things that we've actually done and achieved, and it's actually quite scary because that is three years worth of work, which we've basically done in 12 months. And it's it's been, you know, there's, there were some things that we've had to hold back from due to COVID and things like that. Yeah. Uh, we, we started and had to abort one part in here as well uh, yep. due to unforeseen and unfortunate circumstances. Uh, but th- that aside, I mean, let's start with Kafka Bond Capital. Um, that's, you know, w- what a... What a wonderful and thriving business that we've started from scratch in here. Yeah. So I guess just as a recap on that, that is mortgage broking um, and finance. Yes. Um, when we talk of sort of capital, um, it's capital solutions for That's our correct. clients. So, yep. um, you know, a lot of clients, whether they're buying their first home and investment property or with, you know, rising interest rates at the moment, it's been reviewing that um, and, and getting substantial savings for clients. It's, it's substantial savings, but it's also structuring things correctly. So when... When a client sees a financial planner, one of the things that we do is we ensure that everything they have is actually structured correctly. It's not just getting them a home loan. Um, now, we don't do it. Uh, Jess is actually the one who holds the credit licence in here, yep. uh, not us, but we understand structures. So we work hand in hand 
uh, with Jess to ensure that the clients actually have the best structures, the best opportunities and the best deals uh, that are out there in the market. So it's not just getting a mortgage and comparing an interest rate, it's making sure that that mortgage is the correct structure to be able to ensure. And so one of the things that we've always done too is we've always looked at what is a client's affordability. Yep. Now, when you consider when interest rates were less than 2%, we were doing our calculations based on 6.5%. Mortgage rates, you know, worst case scenario, are now 6.5%. Yeah, well, and the worst case scenario. Yesterday. <clears throat> that's exactly right. So when you, when you consider that, we've always said to clients, if interest rates go up, you won't be able to afford this. You know, so our, our suggestion is no, don't do it all scale back the goals just a little bit and thankfully so you know so even even when it comes to you know gearing strategies and things like that once again we did the calculations can you afford these repayments if interest rates were to rise and you know once again thankfully so and that's the unfortunate thing is that a lot of people have gone out there and they've gone and obtained large mortgages based on the reserves bank forecasting of not touching interest rates until 2024. <laughs> I saw an article they yesterday. An apology. <laughs> they issued an apology but that doesn't help. I saw an article yesterday that 300,000 people who obtained new loans based on that advice to come out of the Reserve Bank of yeah, Australia. Horrible, isn't it? it? It is, but these are people that have gone and purchased properties thinking interest rates will always stay around 2%. Yeah. Because the Reserve Bank has said nothing will happen until 2024. So, um, so when you've had mortgage brokers out there just trying to get some of the best deal, well, it's, it's a case of have they actually done their job properly in respect to making sure that the client can actually afford this or are they just trying to put them into something. So I think this is where it's been exceptional and just having that real head for business and working hand in hand with us and the accountants I think has been exceptional. So the next one, I guess, is, has been recently announced and, um, you know, I know new videos coming up soon, um, sort of explaining it in a bit more detail, but Myriad Kofkin Global, um, you were sort of pretty pumped to, to release that one. Pumped is an understatement. Um, excited, heart swelled, uh, everything. It's Myriad Kofkin Global launching that with... Um, Mine and Dowd, without a doubt, dear friends, uh, Maria Donopoulos and Georgie Pratsis has been exceptional. It's, it's exciting. The work that um, uh, Maria and Rhonda, who unfortunately is no longer with us, and uh, Georgie have done for the last 35 years in their field of consulting um, has just been it's been mind-blowing the changes that they have made with so many organizations and made those changes in so many people's lives of one of the best ways that i talk about is inclusiveness now you know you and i have often made the comments that maybe we were you know uh, subconsciously unbiased because of our upbringings where we just we, we were you know if, if we had a privilege Jamie the privilege was uh, our parents and the upbringings that they actually gave us you know we, we we grew up in households that were you know full of love marriages stayed together and um, you know uh, is you know and, and strict parents they, you know, I would suggest that you were a cheeky little monkey from the stories I've heard, and, and I probably was too, to be brutally honest. But yeah. um, I certainly tested the boundaries with my mum, especially uh, when I was a youngster. But I think the thing is, uh, 
is that our household was always totally inclusive. It didn't matter what religion you were, what nationality you were, what colour of the skin you were. Uh, if you were a nice person, you were welcome in our household. And growing up in Mooney Ponds, which was a very diverse uh, suburb and very multicultural suburb, it was, you know, you just grew up with people that you were your friends. It didn't matter whether they come from Italian backgrounds or Irish backgrounds or Greek backgrounds or Lebanese backgrounds. They were your friends. You know, I grew up with a family whose mum was Australian and dad was Lebanese and they were my best friends, you know, for, for my entire youth. First met Renee when he first came to school in grade two. So growing up with that, I just thought that was actually the norm. You know, growing up with mums, uh, friends in the household in the 70s and 80s who were gay. I just thought that was just the norm. So the seeing what isn't out there in life and society and seeing people like Maria and Georgie making those changes to include everyone, include multicultural, include the you know diversity, include everyone for who you actually are, uh, and being accepted has been exceptional. I've just loved, absolutely loved the work that they do. So now to be able to call them business partners is an absolute honour. Yeah, and I agree. And, and I've been working closely with Maria, um, I guess, lately. And, yeah, seeing her in action facilitate um, and, and draw those... She's mesmerising, isn't she? Yeah, and draw yeah. those personal stories out of um, people so that they can, you know, get those key points across to organisations to make that key change. Um so, so it's been... It's well, been you saw that firsthand, spending a couple of days in Geelong just recently with Maria, with uh, uh multicultural side of the AFL. Yeah, and, and yeah. as I said, you know, it was asking the players on their thoughts and their views, um, and that will go into a report, so so quite exciting. It must have been like a kid in a candy shop like, before the AFL players there, Jamie. Uh, Maria made me get a photo with um, Shane Edwards, so I ended up a happy boy once I'd left. So, <laughs> um, But moving on, I, I guess, you know, to, to keep in line as there's so much to go through, but... Um, Another big one that's sort of been through a long process of, of getting compliance ticked off and, and getting some really important hurdles cleared, um, which which I think when you reflect on it, you know, we want things tomorrow, uh, yesterday, but, you know, we've gone through the right um, hoops because, you know, this is an important part for our clients around their funds management, but our SMAs have been approved, um, six different funds yeah. um, that our clients can now use. Yeah, and SMA just stands for separately managed account, but there's... It makes life far more efficient for us, which means far more efficient for our clients. It uh, makes the funds management process cheaper for our clients as well. Finding the right partners, the right asset consultants was a two-year was a two-year job. Yep. Uh, getting through all the compliance with accounts and their team and their and getting it ticked off by their board um, was not an easy process whatsoever. But at the end of the day, one of the things I love about it, Jamie, is it adds a level of safety to our clients over and above uh, what a lot of other firms, including what we were offering um, out there as well. So if we had to make a change in our funds management, and as you know, we always took funds management extremely seriously, especially um, with what happened during the GFC, uh, you know, not just to our firm, but to all firms and things like that, and clients' money. But if you have to produce a 30-page record of advice to quickly change someone's asset allocation around and you've got a 1,000 clients or even back then the GFC, 4,500 clients, it's it's an impossible task to actually do that efficiently for the clients and to help the clients manage their money. But through a separately managed account, we can do it with a keystroke based on 
the recommendations that come from our asset consultants, Evergreen Consulting, where Angela actually, Angela Ashton actually chairs our committee. And that has been a wonderful process and adds that extra layer of safety for all of our clients. Well, essentially there's four layers of safety. So key decisions are made by investment committee being Coff and Bond and Evergreen Consultants. So Evergreen Consultants then need to have the final say as the chair. Um, so there's there's sort of, you know, first hurdle, second hurdle there. Um, third hurdle is uh, all funds must be approved by the investment committee account, so an approved product list. So again, third hurdle, um, third bit of checking. And then the platform must execute that trade and prove that product as well. So if it if it looks dodgy or anything like that, they would pick it up. So adding those levels of compliance, those levels of safety, um, knowing that, you know, these large organisations that we work with um, and these great organisations that we work with are, are having those checks and balances as well, you're, you know, you're making the right decisions. It's, cor- it's correct. And what it means is we're not going to have, um, you know, we, we see it every day uh, in the press, in the financial press, uh, the financial industry press anyway, where, you know, funds are getting warning letters from um, the, you know, from ASIC in regards to uh, their designer obligations um, falling through. So well, this product doesn't suit 74-year-old retirees, so why are you marketing it to them? You yeah. know, so and things like that. And we've seen it, you know, recently with, um, they've changed their name so many times, but Mayfair 101, which were called, I think, Platinum at one stage, which I know Platinum Funds Management had a major issue with, as you can imagine. And realistically, it just seems like that was a Ponzi scheme. And, and this has happened time and time again, where people are getting suckered into believing they're sophisticated investors because they've got a million dollars in their superannuation fund from 35 years or 40 years of hard work. And they've actually never had any experience in that. And they're going into these schemes because they look good and there's nothing there. And it's, you know, or they go to, um, you know, a stockbroking firm and they're just getting churned and churned and churned and churned in respect to shares, uh, getting charged brokerage every time. So the separately managed account really does give a massive air of safety to our clients, number one. But also, too, it really adds to the client's uh, long-term portfolio. Uh, and that's one of the most important things, too, because, you know, when you consider a... difference over, you know, a lifetime of a portfolio is a huge difference in retirements. And and this is where having it professionally managed and getting rid of the short-term noise and looking at the long-term performance of what we've been able to achieve for our clients has been exceptional. And that's the part which I actually love. So being able to actually do a proper funds management role for the client rather than set and forget has been, which we've never been, but it's been an exceptional journey. And as we said, two years in the making. Yeah. So we're moving on, um, we'll talk sort of around two partners from a corporate side that we've worked with, which we've had a really great experience. Um, one being Ocean Floor, um, who we actually interviewed, I think, was it earlier this year that we, we, we yep. had an interview with them? Um, I recently went to their launch event of their platform um, at the Oshi Gallery, so something quite different as an NFT gallery. Ocean um, Floor Music, Ocean we should Floor call it. Music, yep. 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 So, so, um, yeah, the so reason why I just want to clarify, people know we have ESG funds and it's not cleaning up the ocean floor. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, uh, so I recently went to their launch event and it's something quite different. So, you know, looking at NFTs, you know, scanning barcodes and being able to buy music and, and buy rights to music and, yeah. you know, buy rights to, you know, unreleased songs that no one can hear but you because you own that. It, it was quite fascinating the way that it's set up and, and they did a really good job at their launch and they're gaining great traction at the moment. 
Well, did, I think, I believe they also won an award at the recent NFT, NFT fest, uh, yeah. blockchain fest as well as the most innovative, uh, I think, uh, new launch of the year. But I, the best way of explaining ocean floor music, the way I basically explain, I'll just clarify the fact this was not an investment for clients. It's just Kofka and Bond took a, an equity stake in the pre-seed round. Yeah. So we, we used our own money and took an equity stake in the pre-seed round. Um, but the one of the exciting parts and how I look at it is I look at how the music industry has done well for a lot of musicians and there's a lot of other musicians who are always just living you know dollar to dollar basically um, and then you have um, you know the Spotify's of the world come out and I was watching the series on the Spotify launch which was supposed to be about free streaming uh, you know for the public but the musicians are saying you're taking all my work and giving it away for free how do I feed my children how do I live you know so not not every band makes the kind of money like U2 or Pink Floyd or Rolling Stones or you know you know iconic bands like that but you so you have a lot of these artists and if you have a look at the the royalties that they actually got you know first of all to get a record deal with you know the Sony's of the world and things like that was just exceptionally hard uh, and they had to pour a lot of money into it and they were the ones that made the majority of the money not the artists unless you become you know amazingly you know longevity of and a long life but then when you have a look at the what likes of the Spotify all of a sudden the income stream to the artists and of course to the record labels slowed down dramatically so they all got involved but once again Spotify seemed to make a lot of money gross money they weren't necessarily making profits so they made a lot of the owners and investors quite wealthy but not the artists yeah and what I see ocean floor music because it's actually developed by you know two artists, artists. music's artists as well um, uh, being uh, Clint and Sam but one of the things, and then of course you've got Matt in there too, who from by all accounts is an unbelievable drummer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the what I see is it's actually giving power and money back to the artist. It, it's, it's giving power to the unheard, the unsigned artist that we'd love to go and see in a pub. You know, yeah. and, and it's actually given them the ability to be in control of their career as well and actually sell their own product in, in a world of technology. So I do see these guys as being the disruptor to the music industry. And what I mean by that is the district, because they're not in competition with the Sony BMGs of the world or anything like that. Um, their actual competition is to the likes of the Spotify's realistically. And I see them as being a massive disruptor to the streaming service and actually giving the power back to the artists, taking that off the likes of these large streaming services and giving that power back to the artists. And I, th I just think that is wonderful. To be pre-seed investors, we're not going to invest in this out of the goodness of our heart. We do expect a return on capital as well. But it's something that is doing good for so many people that have struggled that for my entire life... You know how much I love live theatre. You know how much I love, you know, music. You know I love, uh, you know, I was, in the last two weeks I've seen both Crowded House and Guns N' Roses. Yeah. You know, so that's actually given that power back and I'm very enthusiastic about that. The other one and um, we'll jump on to is a client we've been working through across the year and, and, and helping them um, from a corporate side as well and they've just recently announced... Um, quite a well-known chairman um, but that's Saver Global and the work that they're doing. 
couldn't be more proud of being a shareholder in Saver Global. Uh, they had a bit of a false start there at one stage, but it's they are three passionate people who are the founders, and then you know you've now got Eden and a bunch of devs working in there as well, and things like that as well. But they. Um, they're out there to change the world in respect to remittance. And, and, and financial literacy. And financial literacy and remittance to those who never thought they could get it. Because what a lot of people, I suppose, don't understand is that they say, well, you've grown up in Australia or the UK or the US, you've been educated, you're financially literate. <laughs> I can assure you the vast majority of people, especially here in Australia, are not financially literate at all. Yeah. They, they know how to earn money and they know how to spend money, but financial literacy is not something that they actually have. But this is actually offering financial literacy to the world where they haven't had those same opportunities and privileges that we've grown up in um, as well. But it's also the remittance space, I've just learned so much about it and the amounts of cream uh, that some of these remittance companies and banks, to, and banks actually charge. It is just absolutely, can I use the word obscene? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, but the one of the things they've done with their remittance comparison site uh, is being able to actually show the world, well, what are you paying and can you get it cheaper rather than just going to the old normals that you've always gone to can you actually get it cheaper so if i was to transfer money to my sister in the us i can go on that comparison site and see who's going to give me the best rate which means she's going to receive more of what i'm transferring yeah and not have this money come out by just clicking a button and doing a transfer um where they're taking that though is the exciting part where this is going on a global scale, Saver Global, is uh, magnificent. So their appointment of Michael Goh as chairman I, has just been one of the greatest moves. And Michael's a very, you know, a friend of our firm and a very uh, good friend of ours. Someone we've done work with and will continue to do work with. But Michael's resume is just exceptional. You know, from Thomson Reuters to, um, you know, the retired CEO, just recently retired CEO of the Sydney Stock Exchange. Uh, he's, he's ABM AMRO. He's just, you know, the you know, COO of National Australia Bank. He's just, he's got an exceptional resume and he's just one of the nicest people that you could actually meet as well. And, and him being the chair and really guiding Saver Global to actually become the, I, I would suggest in five years, uh, one of the largest remittance and financial literacy sites in the world. For us to be shareholders, once again, this is Kofkin Bond. Uh, or actually, uh, Maria and Georgia also. So yep. Jamie, Maria, and jo Jamie, Tony, Maria, and Georgia are, are shareholders. For us to actually be shareholders in there in the pre-seed round has been exceptional. Um, that is about to come to a close, a very successful close, and take that then to the next level and watch this company just excel in in ways you know beyond imagination will just be uh, I mean, once again another company we are really thrilled to be part of yeah and in closing out i guess or before we sort of say our final goodbyes but um what we'll announce on our um website soon and you know our socials i guess is um we've recently announced a chairman of our board 
We have uh, non-executive chairman Matthew Rowe, yeah. and Matthew, uh, I've known Matthew for probably ten years now. Yep. Um, he was the one of the founders of Hood Sweeney, one of the largest accounting firms in the country, very successful accounting firm. Uh, he is the managing director there. He ended up um, retiring at a young age in his forties. Yep. Uh, he was tapped on the shoulder then by uh, Barry Lambert, account and said, will you come and be the CEO of Count? And he took on that role. I, f- I think from memory, he actually might have been sitting on the Count board prior to that, but he was, tap- was. Yeah, but he was tapped on the shoulder to become the CEO. And he took Count to that next level. He's very successful in Count, uh, Count uh, Plus, that is, uh, which is listed on the, Sydney, on the Australian Stock Exchange. And he's very successful of actually then acquiring uh, Count back from the CBA and from the Commonwealth Bank. And that was just a, a magnificent uh, move, which has actually taken Count Financial to that next level. And, you know, I can only say so much about Count. I do sit on the advisory council um, as well, Account Financial, uh, sorry, Account, uh, yeah, Count. But basically it's a case of that Matthew being our chair is actually taking us to that next level now yep. as well. He's... The way he ran the planning day, the way he's mentored, he's been a mentor of mine, even though we're the same age, Matthew's been a mentor of mine for you know, the last several years anyway. I'd always turn to him asking questions and things like that. And he always picked up the call, uh, always spoke to us. So when I reached out to Matthew and asked, you know, he said, yes, he, he's, he'll be, <coughs> he was allowed to have in his new role, uh, two external roles. And he would certainly consider us to be one. So I'm actually quite honoured that he chose us to be one and help us really drive this firm forward uh, for us to be achieving the goals that we are, especially with our purchases that we've done. We did a very successful purchase this year of um, of OFM, which is not Ocean Floor Music. It's actually Odyssey Financial, <laughs> Odyssey Financial Management. Management. So uh, very large Sydney firm with 700 clients, which we've uh, tucked in. We, we finalised that purchase in July. So having Matthew on board with our future acquisitions and actually helping steer the company continually forward is just, it's been wonderful and he's been a great coach and a great mentor for all of us at the same time. Fantastic. Tony, let's wrap it up for season, as I keep saying, I'm I'm sort of using footy analogy here, but um, for the year of 2022, we're sort of off over the next few weeks with a lot of meetings and I know you're in Sydney, so that's sort of why we're finishing it up here. Um, I'd like to close on one thing of actually thanking all of our valued clients, Jamie. Yep. Uh, We've, through the, you know, we're we're quite honoured when we purchase a business that we don't have clients drop off. Uh, We do like to believe we have a very unique uh, proposition, uh, service proposition for our clients. But most importantly too, this year has been a tough year in the markets. It really has been. It's been a disturbing year. Uh, The markets have come down. Of course, you've had global instability. You've had, uh, well, it was last year, but changing government in the US. You've had um, the global instability, of course, in Europe with uh, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, the instability of energy prices. And so it's been, uh, interest rates gone through the roof after COVID, uh, which go figure, you put so much free money into society, that'll happen. I think our clients have been very resilient and I'd actually like to thank them for continually trusting us in the work we actually do and making the right decisions on their behalf. Um, and I, I do see, you know, it's, 
I remember my father saying, you know, son, I think there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's not a train coming towards you. And I do believe 2023 is going to be the start of that. I do believe Australia, uh, with the federal government uh, now talking with China again, I do think that's going to put Australia on stead for a really good, strong decade. And thus, we've arranged our portfolios accordingly uh, to be in line for that. It's it's. Uh, better to be a little bit too early than, than, you know, way too late. So I just want to thank our clients for continuing to trust us in the work we actually do. It has been a tough year, but you've all been exceptional and it's it's just an honour for our firm to service all of you. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Tony. Thanks, Jamie. Coffin Bond Podcast is a product from Coffin Bond & Co, which we are an authorised representative of Cairn Financial. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of the Coffin Bond Podcast are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decision, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from the podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Kofkin Bond website, or you can find resources on the ASIC website and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Kofkin Bond and Co. and the hosts of the Kofkin Bond podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of the country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.